Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Aligned and Well podcast. I'm nurse coach Sean, your host. Um, I have a really awesome interview for you guys today. I am going to be interviewing another fellow nurse coach. Her name is Bina Bendel. Um, she is a holistic nurse coach, a business mentor, and a keynote speaker who specializes in helping parents with special needs children. Um, this is one of her passions. She has a master's in clinical nurse leadership and is a member of the International Society of Female Professionals. Um, And she's also a former ER nurse. And so one of the things that we are going to be talking about today is coping with secondary PTSD as a healthcare worker. And for any of you listening who are nurses, or healthcare workers, or previous healthcare workers, this is going to be a really great interview for you guys to listen to just because um, we'll be sharing our own stories of how we experienced secondary trauma to working in the hospital and just seeing the things that we saw. And I I really hope that it resonates with you and that you get a lot out of this. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview. Hi, friends. My name is Sean Arsenault, but you can call me Shawnee. I'm a board certified nurse coach and holistic healer. And I want to help you transform your life in a way that feels in total alignment with your heart and who you truly are. Each week, I'll be sharing with you my tips on how to become more empowered in your own wellness journey and create a vibrant, fulfilling life that reflects your values and your truth. You'll hear insightful interviews on different life and wellness topics and stories from myself and other beautiful souls who share my mission of spreading love and light in this sometimes dark world. My hope for this podcast is that you will walk away feeling inspired and more aligned in your purpose. This is your permission to get curious and lean into your intuition as we all learn and grow together. Welcome to the Aligned and Well podcast. Bina, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm excited too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I love getting other nurse coaches on here. You're the, kind of in the beginning stages of me getting more of, of the nurse coach voices. Um, but can you give people who are listening just a little background on who you are, what you do, what you're all about? So my name is Bina Bendale. I am a nurse coach and my my heart is for special needs. Uh, that is my heart and passion. Mm-hmm. But currently, I have been doing a lot of corporate deals. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where a lot of my um, energy is focused in is creating and developing uh, corporation deals and helping others create and empower them to do more in the corporation world. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can you dive a little bit more into that really quickly? Like, what do you mean by corporation deals? So what I mean is that what I envision is for as many nurses to have a large corporation. I want every nurse or any nurse coach to be in a corporation where they provide, you are a provider for them. Um, So, you know, where they refer clients or employees to you and you get to coach them Mm -hmm. and it's all real lifetime. So I want everyone to have this opportunity Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of it. A lot of work. But it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what, like, you know, for, for people who are newer to listening to this podcast, like with nurse coaching, if you don't know what a nurse coach is, 
episode one is I have a whole explanation on that, but, um, but kind of expanding this like holistic way of taking care of people into, into, to every aspect of our community, of our society. And you are one of the, the, the leaders of that. So that's super exciting. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about like your nursing background and kind of what experience you have? Absolutely. So I have been a nurse for over 17 years. Majority of it is in ER, uh, critical care transport. And, um, that's where my passion was, is a lot of it was through ER bedside at ER. So I saw a lot of traumas, a lot of traumas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like, too, what, what we're going to be talking a lot about today is, especially for nurses and healthcare workers who have, um, who have worked in areas like the ER and the ICU and like, you know, critical high acuity um, areas experiencing kind of the secondary effects of being in those environments. And so I know you have left the bedside, right? I have. Um, I left almost a year ago now. Yeah. So can you, can you share with us a little bit like why, why, why did you leave? So the main reason why I left was I just felt like it became very jaded to me. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was going in and being in nurse mode Mm -hmm. and I never processed anything afterwards. I would see, cause I was in the ER. So I was frontline with COVID for two years. Mm -hmm. And after a while, when you see death after death, after death or sick after sick, after sick, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the lack of resources, the lack of, um, help or just even nurses, not really being so supportive with other nurses. Right. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it's just, it really mentally drains you. Yeah. Like at a point where I was like, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, like, I was so numb. I was so numb mm-hmm. that now I'm like, I actually enjoy now back to being a nurse again for being a nurse coach, because it's like, it brings that empathy back. It brings that, that sympathy back. I'm actually able to talk to my my people. Whereas mm-hmm. when I was at bedside, it was literally like task, 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 Bina to the nurse's station, Bina to the nurse's station, Bina codes yours, yeah. Bina here. And it's like when you're talking to someone, you're starting an IV or you're trying to start a medication and then you get pulled in five different directions. Like the nursing shortage is real. Oh yeah. Let's be real. That yeah. is so like real. So if I were to call in, I have a very, I have an autistic child who's yeah. sickly. So they would not replace me if I were to call in sick. Mm-hmm. And then you feel guilty that you're leaving your coworkers behind. Yeah. And then of course that's, that starts some animosity and some things and some resentment and all these different things. They're over, now they're overworked. And then you try to help when other people call off mm-hmm. and then you become overworked. Yeah. And then that whole lifestyle was, you're tired. Yeah. Yeah. Tired. Ooh, yeah, I can totally relate to that as a former ER nurse myself. You know, I worked in PEDS ER for a couple years and, um, you know, stayed inpatient after that um, for, for a while. And just the environment is not conducive to like 
you know, nurses or healthcare workers in general in the hospital taking care of themselves at all. And, and we are constantly overworked and and tired and exhausted and not supported, like you were talking about, Um, it, it, it directly affects patient care. And um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of trauma, honestly, for for healthcare workers that work in that area. Because how how did you experience um, that affecting other areas of your life? I was always grumpy. I would sleep a lot. I was just not a happy person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're doing a 10, 12 hour shift, like you're not even really eating much, at, even at your job. Mm-mm. Like, yeah. and then they, they reward you with pizza. Right. And you're just <laughs> right. like, well, can you be any, can this be any more unhealthy? Right. Here we are talking about thriving and, you know, nurses to have a good, healthy, balanced lifestyle. But it's just like, I barely have time to pee. Yeah. I barely have time to eat. You can't have water at the nurse's station. So here yeah. I am the next day, like totally dehydrated, completely yeah. exhausted. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that you're just not even healthy. Like I used to get sick a lot. And then it was just like, oh, did you make sure you take your vitamins? It's like, I don't even get to eat because I had a code coming through right away when you're right when I walked in, like, oh, that one's yours. Let's go. You don't need, we're so busy. We don't have time to even put our stuff down. Like, I remember I would barely be clocking in and putting my stuff down or barely not even clocked in yet. I put my stuff down and I'm there like 10, 15, 20 minutes early because, you know, changing from motherhood to nursing world, like I like to take a little bit of break. And I went there so many times, so many times my charge nurse would walk in going, oh, good. You're here. Come on. I need you. Get on. Let's go. And I'm just like, whoa, yeah. hold on. Can I just, I literally just got here. He goes, it's okay. I already clocked you in. And I'm like, okay. He goes, we have two codes coming. One of them is yours. And I'm just like, wow. And so, which I love, I love doing that. That was like my passion, but doing it after 16 years, it really really took a toll on your body. Yeah. Your mentally and mental. Oh my God. Mentally it was just very difficult after a while. Yeah. It's so interesting to see like how different nurses who have worked in the hospital and have left bedside have kind of interpreted their experience because, you know, there are some people who like who love working in the ER and who love like that high like that high energy, that high acuity environment. And, um, and it's like something that like lights them up. And I like hats off to those nurses and those, those hospital workers who, who thrive on that. But for, for myself in particular, it was just extremely traumatic. And so, you know, we talked a little bit before about PTSD and like secondary PTSD in the hospital. So, Mm -hmm. When did you discover that you were experiencing that? So I honestly discovered I had, because I was that adrenaline junkie. I'm still that adrenaline junkie. I I still love, my passion is still there no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is from leaving bedside Mm -hmm. is when I started learning, like all these true emotions started coming out. Mm. Like, whereas before, I know this is going to sound so wrong on so many levels where, you know, we would put a body in a body bag and it was just like, I don't cry. Yeah. I don't have you emotions. feel nothing. Right. I don't feel anything. And then here I am going, bam, right to the next room going, hi, my name is Bean. I'm going to be your nurse today. And you literally just saw someone pass away in the next room. Yeah. 
That yeah. is kind of when I really, truly just like in my own head was like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's just not right. And as I left bedside, I would see it took a while. And now I'm just an emotional wreck. I cry for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I cry same. For everything. You're, yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> I cry for everything. It's just like a bee can be on my daughter's head. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I start crying. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, do you know how many bee stings I saw that turned into an allergic reaction? And here I am terrified that that bee was going to like kill yeah. my daughter. Yeah. And he was just like, oh my God. I didn't even think about that. And I'm like, you just don't realize like all the tremors. Like even now, like when the kids play in the swimming pool, it's like, mm-hmm. how many drowned victims have I yeah. seen? And it freaks to, me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be a pool, right? It can be a bathtub or like a bucket full of water that they were playing in or something. And, and their head went, you know, head first. Mm-hmm. And they were there for just for a couple of seconds. And there they are near drowning. Yeah. And you just, now I really feel it. Like now my anxiety is so high where I have to really control it. Like I have to really stop, meditate, remind myself that at the end of the day, I'm still an ER nurse. Yeah. But I just don't want to use it yeah. if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and too, like there's no space in that environment to process whatever it is that you're going through. Because even as you were talking about like, you know, putting a patient in a body bag and then, you know, walking into the next room and being like, hi, I'm your nurse, Bina. You know, like it's, there's such a huge disconnect there. Um, and I mean, I have, I have similar story, you know, where, where I, and I didn't realize that I didn't realize any of this when it was actually happening. Like yeah. it was, it wasn't until years later in the height of the pandemic, whenever I was watching, cause I had, I had stepped away from like the hospital setting, but not bedside. And, but I was still watching all of my ICU nurse friends, all of my ER nurse friends suffering so much from the pandemic and all of this stuff was coming up for me. And I was mm-hmm. feeling really, really like just heavy And going through therapy, I was kind of told by my therapist, like, you may have some secondary PTSD from working in the hospital. Because whenever I tell her all of these different things, you know, the first person, the first patient I ever did CPR on was a three month old baby. And I I had zero time to process that. Like, after it happened, I was kind of like thrown into it. After it happened, I went to the bathroom for like, two minutes to kind of like, you know, I was like hyperventilating. I was having like a full right. panic attack. And right. then I had to like pull myself together and get back to my other four patients. And yeah, that just like, I don't know, the nurses not having the space to be able to process that it stays with them. So yeah. yeah. I remember my first COVID patient that we passed that passed away. It was a young gentleman. It was mm-hmm. a 33 year old early on really scared and he came from a nursing home so he, he got gosh. it 33 he got it from a nursing uh, it was a you know outbreak in the nursing um living assistant program yeah being at that around when all those are going out really bad yeah and he was a he was a worker there and he came in and he was 33 and Jeez. the things that's going to keep with me and and least still breaks my heart is when they tell me please save me i just don't want to die mm. And those are when you really truly are like, and then when they do pass away, right? You don't have, Mm -hmm. it's just really hard. Yeah. 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 
I can like see you getting a little emotional and it's <laughs> making me get emotional because, um, you know, as far, like, I feel like a lot of nurses, most nurses are empathic people. Like we, we have a lot of compassion. It's why we go into nursing is because we care about people, you know? And yeah. I, I just, I have, I can I remember every single patient of mine that's died. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I can tell you one thing. What really, really set me to really just say, I just can't do bedside anymore was because my last patient who passed away was a 33-year-old female. Mm -hmm. And we were super busy that day. And in no fault of any nurse, any RT, any CNA, Mm -hmm. ED tech, anyone, it was straight up management just did not want to call for help. <sighs> and um, this particular RT, there was the house was full, 10 patients in the ICU on a vent, and we had three downstairs mm-hmm. on a vent. So they're one-to-ones. Mm-hmm. And my patient was the sickest patient in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I had to wait 30 minutes, five oxygen tanks, for a respiratory therapist to come down for a event, a ventilator. Mm. And I was by, it was me, a doctor and a tech. That was yeah. it. And here we are just switching out and switching out, you know, oxygen tanks. And the last thing she also said to me is just, you know, tell my parents, I love them. Oh, and, you know, I just, I don't think I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I told her, I was like, you just need, you need to fight. You need to fight. We're going to get it. And yeah. Yeah. That one was hard. Yeah. It is really rough to be in an environment where like, you know, you're, you're there to, to save people, right. You're there to save lives. (laughs) And when you don't have the resources and the support from the organization, from the hospital in order to do that, it's like, a lot of that responsibility falls on us. And whenever we have poor patient outcomes, you know, because we are the, we're the, we're the usually the first ones to touch the patient. Um, there's a huge level of guilt. I think oh. that, that so many nurses feel whenever, um, whenever they're placed in those kinds of situations. So one of the things that I want to hear your input on is where do you think, the gap. I mean, I, there's a huge gap, but where do you think the gap is in the support available to healthcare workers and like what needs to change? What needs to change is they need to listen to us. They yeah. need to listen to what it is that we need. We need the emotional support. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, like, after this particular patient that passed away, mm-hmm. I got called every day for two hours, every day, asking me what happened. Mm-hmm. Why did this happen? How come it comes in? Why didn't I do this? It was always all about the negative. Mm. No one ever asked, hey, Bina, how are you doing? Yeah. How emotionally is this affecting you? Mm-hmm. Or how about you come in? Let's take it. Let's have a whole team conversation mm-hmm. and really come up with a system that's going to help us not so this doesn't happen. We already knew where the system broke. They just didn't want to pay someone. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That was straight up. They just did not want to pay. Yeah. And we know that for a fact. That is a known fact. I can state the state here today and I can state this on any broadcast in the world mm-hmm. that they just did not want to pay. Yeah. And, you know, 
all these leaders in all these healthcare systems is like, oh, we have a nursing shortage. Well, yeah, because you're not listening. You're not giving us the time of when someone passes or when there is a critical patient or a traumatic situation, giving us that 10, 15 minutes to be like, you know what? Go for a walk, clear your head. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. Yeah. Or putting another nurse with them and saying, go for a walk, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, here is just like, okay. And then the blame goes back to the nurse when yeah. they're not in the room. These managements are not my my charting was impeccable. Like, and it literally was like, yeah, it was run, you know, it was very clear with what you it was a very clear picture. Right. And I remember going, so then why am I sitting here? Like, why am I here? Yeah. We already know what the problem was. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't want to hi- bring in extra RTs who they all, st- I know of five RTs that day that stated they will come in and asked to come in and they all said, and everyone said no to them. The, That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. They don't want to pay. Mm-hmm. There's so many different like thoughts that I have coming up about just the broken system. And for, for people, because I, you know, I have listeners here who are not nurses, who are not healthcare workers, but just just like even hearing this conversation and having the awareness that like this is what happens in the hospital. And nobody talks about it. No <laughs> like, one talks nobody about talks about how like I don't know, with with everything going on in the world lately, it's just been nurses, we have voices, but they're not really heard. And this is one of my avenues to try and get our voices heard is through this podcast and bringing on stories like yours. Um, so I just think that for anyone who's listening, who, who isn't a healthcare worker, who has never worked in a hospital, who's not a nurse, um, this also directly affects you, you know, it affects everyone because we're the people taking care of the sick people that come into the hospital. And that could yeah. be, you know, someone's it could be them one day. Yeah. It could be them. You it know? could be them, a family member, a friend, whoever. But yeah. So in, in the spirit of wanting to fill the gap, right? Like how do you think nurse coaching is going to help with that? Everyone needs a nurse coach, every hospital, every company, because we understand that frontline trauma mm-hmm. and we understand how to holistically approach situations like that. We're able to care for these nurses or patients or employers or CEOs or mm-hmm. whoever it is, because we look at them as a person. We don't mm-hmm. look at them with the title. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you're a nurse. I don't care if you're a doctor. Mm-hmm. What I do care about is your well-being. Right. How are you doing today? Are you being heard? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're being heard? Because mm-hmm. those are the two things people in life just don't have the voice. Yeah. Once you take away someone's voice, they feel entrapped. Yeah. And I really do believe nurse coaches, that is what we're doing now, is we're giving back people's voices, mm-hmm. making them feel okay, telling them that that is a normal feeling. Mm-hmm. It's okay to cry giving them a safe place and bringing ner- core nursing back to the world. Yeah. I'm feeling giving, well, we can't reach your, I can't ha- hold your hand right now, but you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, like holding someone's hand and going, you're going to be okay. I'm here for you. How can I help you? Yeah. Or how can I serve you? Yeah. 
Yeah, we've taken that that um that level of service, like purely just serving people and helping them, we've taken that completely out of the healthcare system and it's it's just not it's not there anymore. It's not. It's yeah. just task oriented. Mm-hmm. Did you get this? And then you are so inundated that mm-hmm. it's just like bam, 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 bam. You barely see your patients for less than five or ten minutes now. Yeah. Because you're on to the next person. Mm-hmm. Or they want to turn it around so quickly, which I totally understand. I completely understand that. But it's just like, here's your discharge instructions. And then you walk off. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if I have to hear like one more lecture about charting, and that drives me absolutely nuts. Because in the work that, you know, in the work that we do as nurse coaches, like I, I really had to unlearn that. I had to unlearn like charting every single thing that was said in a session yes. and whatever, because that's not what that's not what's important. What's important is it goes deeper than that, you know? And I think that translates. I mean, yes, there are ways that we need to stay accountable in the healthcare system for sure. But, um, and and charting is one of those ways, but still like there's still room to infuse like humanity into that. You know, it doesn't have to feel like a factory, like a, like a machine. But we're not asking them a thousand and one questions like they do in the hospital anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Which to be honest with you, the physicians actually end up doing redoing anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's so silly. So everything's double charted. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Yeah. Like everything's so double charted. And then they're like, and then management or whoever is higher up. And I, I you know, again, I respect everyone that is in higher level management. There's no questions because I cannot do your job. But it's like when you get audited and there you do one thing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like comes up, but then it's charted somewhere else. So you're just, it's like the double charting. And that's one thing I do love about nurse coaching. It's just like, it's a very holistic charting. Mm-hmm. It's very just center focused of what we're doing on that particular call. And mm-hmm. it's not like, what's your last bowel movement? When was the last time you ate? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like not, nothing like that anymore, which is great because that was like, that was a big depth. That was huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What were some of the ways that you coped with the secondary PTSD that you experienced after leaving the bedside? To be honest, I became a nurse coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I went through the program. I went, was in my, I was actually in my collective when I decided to quit. And mm. my co-instructor the the two lead instru- like co-founders they all called me and they were like are you okay is everything going on and i'm like no you guys just really empowered me mm-hmm. to really take a stand of what i never really knew i thought i needed mm-hmm. and where i am today like i would not be where i am today if i did not leave bedside mm-hmm. because my mindset would so be so tired mm-hmm. and it's just opens up this whole other world of possibilities and how you can have the love come back to you for being a nurse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what nurse coaching did for me. It, it brought back the love for me. It brought back, you know, wanting to help someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
as opposed to just doing tests. Okay, I do miss my IVs. I'm not gonna lie. I, really <laughs> I do, do too. <laughs> I was I'm just really thinking about that. My IVs. Like, I was really good at them too. Like I was so an awesome IV starter. And I kind of like am bummed that I don't get to do that anymore. I like find myself like whenever I'm like holding hands with my husband, I find myself like <laughs> like feeling your his veins and stuff. It's <laughs> He gets really freaked out by it, but I'm like, it's just no, it's just never going to leave me that, that yeah, like or desire. People I come up and I shake the hand. I'm like, oh, you got some good things. <laughs> oh man. Nurse, nurse problems. Um, that is, that is like the only thing. And my husband's like, just become an IV nurse. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> it's interesting. Cause I think that like, you, I, I honestly, as you're saying that, I'm kind of starting to realize that I think becoming a nurse coach was also part of my coping as well, because I ended up like I ended up joining the collective um, right after like that first year of the pandemic, mm. and um, as I was processing all of these emotions, you know, seeing my my colleagues and how much they were struggling in the ICU, ER, like high high critical care settings. Um, and having my own feelings about it, I, that's around the time when I decided to join the nurse coach collective. And so, um, I think doing something that you're actually passionate about is one way to kind of turn all of that trauma into purpose, um, and utilize, you know, what, what we suffered through to, to help other people. Cause I know you help a lot of nurses, right? Yeah. Um, as do I, and I think that, you know, in, in trying to fill that gap to support, to provide support for healthcare workers, like I see, I see a lot of nurse coaches doing that, wanting to help people that are healthcare workers at the bedside, experiencing these things because there's such a need for it. And when we can kind of bridge that gap, it also directly affects how we show up for our patients and in turn patient outcomes, you know? Yeah. What would you say are three self-care tips for nurses or healthcare workers that may be experiencing secondary PTSD from working at the bedside? Like, what are the top three things that come up for you in terms of like, how do these people take care of themselves? Number one is boundaries. Mm -hmm. Number one is boundaries. You have to have a work boundary and a family boundary. Mm Mm-hmm. The minute you start colliding the two, it's when you just feel burned out. Mm-hmm. And setting real time with your inner circle and whoever your inner circle may be. Mine is my husband and my three children mm-hmm. and my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, that I ha- And that means turning my phone off, doing things, getting outside, no distraction, none. Not taking, um, you know, an ad hoc call or them trying to call, like work trying to call you Mm -hmm. and really grounding yourself with your inner circle. Mm -hmm. That is number one. I I, I truly believe that that is your number one boundaries. Yeah. Other two is um, another nurse coach has taught me this recently. It's not about balance in life. Mm -hmm. It's about the harmony in life. You have good days. You have low days, Mm -hmm. you have high pitch days, you have thumbs in, but you have to find the tune that works for you Mm -hmm. and understanding those days that are going to be high pitched, really high stressed. And there's going to be days that you're really low. Mm -hmm. Nothing's ever truly balanced in life. 
because we don't sleep the same amount of time we eat and we don't eat the same amount of time we're on a day and we're at work 30 to 40 maybe 60 hours a a week we're not we're not even home that long I'm not even home in my own house that long maybe 20 hours 30 hours when I was at bedside yeah so really finding that harmony to go in is is also key and everyone always says it's all about self-care but it's the honest truth remembering to shower every day eating every day especially with kids like making sure like whatever it is, like being outdoors and, you know, some people might not be into meditations and all these other spiritual stuff, which is totally okay. Yeah. But just being outdoors, mm-hmm. putting your feet in the grass, feeling the sun, going into nature, mm-hmm. that going to the beach, if you're close to the beach or going to the woods, if you live near the woods mm-hmm. or the desert, if that's what your cup of tea is, whatever it is that works for you, the more grounded you are with humanity, the more grounded you are with just nature living and not being so busy. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things I've learned since I left that side is that it's not always about go, 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 Yeah, you know, work, drop the kids off, come home, make lunch, go to work, come home, sleep and do that all over again. Yeah. Like, where is your self-care? Yeah. Are you walking on your lunch break? Because I can guarantee you 95% of us nurses are not walking on our self on our breaks. Yeah, we're scrolling yeah. on our phones. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yes. We're on social media, which is a whole other topic within itself. But right. you know, just people putting their phones away. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even on the weekends, unless people it, there's only like a handful of people that, you know, it'll ring off my phone. Yeah. And You know, other than that, it's like, if you're not in that inner circle, my phone will just go straight to like voicemail or or like the do not disturb. It'll automatically go to a silent call because Mm -hmm. it's like, that can wait. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with people is just, that's what I've learned. Yeah. I, I love all of those three things that you said. And like a couple things came up for me, you know, whenever you talked about boundaries, it was so hard for me to not pick up the phone whenever work would call and ask me to come Mm -hmm. in. And, you know, whenever I was, whenever I was younger, I was just out of nursing school. Like, sure. I would go because I I wasn't tied to anything. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids like, um, which, you know, I don't have kids now, but like, I still, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any other purpose other than to work. Because like I I was just out of nursing school, like I said, and um, it's like something that I had been working towards for forever is being able to graduate from college and get a nice paying job as a nurse. And whenever work would call me in, it almost like made me feel like, oh, okay, like they value the work that I do. So I'm going to come into work. And then very quickly, I realized that that was not the case. And it was just, I was a body. I was a body to be able to, to perform the tasks. Yeah. And that's the other thing with nurses have to realize is that just when we graduate, like and get our degrees, we're trained to want to work in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. We're trained to do things when there's so many other opportunities out there for these nurses. They just mm-hmm. don't know because they want I, how I feel now is a lot of people are doing it for the money. The money's mm-hmm. good. Let, let's not be real. The money's great. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Like when I would call and they're like, oh, I really need you. 
can you please come in? We'll pick, we'll take any, sh- any hours you want to work, you know, whatever you want to work. Yeah. So sometimes they're like, even two hours, we'll take you for two hours. You know, then you feel guilty. You're like, yeah, I need this. That they feel they value me until something tragic happens and then they don't give two shits for you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's just like, why did you do this wrong? Why'd you do that wrong? Why'd you do this? What happened here? It's just like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what? I'm just, then you realize you're just a number. Because then if you call off or he comes in, they're going to do that to someone else. Yeah. It, it was really important for me to set that boundary to like, as soon as I, I would get so many texts and and I, I felt bad, but also like I, I had to like respect myself and my own like well-being enough to say no sometimes. And, you know, me with my people pleaser brain was, it was really difficult to do that. And I feel like a lot of nurses struggle with that saying no, whenever they really don't want to go in. Um, because they're tired and yeah. they still want to go in. Yeah. And how dangerous that is when you're that tired, you're mentally just not there. And then, and then they're mean, not mean, but they're cranky, I guess I should say. Yeah. yeah. You know, just not considerate, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I understand they have just, to keep the hospital going, but like, it's just the, the setting those boundaries is really important and it can be really difficult for nurses to do that. So whoever is listening to this, if you are a nurse or a healthcare worker, you have permission to set boundaries. <laughs> you do have permission to set boundaries. Um, I really also like what you said about the harmony and like how it's not about balance, but because I I'm I love music. I was a singer for like, you know, most of my childhood and adolescent life. And so that analogy really struck me because I really resonate with that, you know, that it's not this this idea of finding like a balanced life is a little like idealistic, you know. And I think that embracing the highs, embracing the lows and finding like a tune where you can stay grounded in between all that is, yeah. is, is, is a better way to, to go about it. It's, it's an interesting perspective that you brought up. Yeah. Well, that's from JR. He's a nurse coach. <laughs> Love it. JR is the one that He's on my list of people to interview. Um, yeah. Just so you know, he, 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 has, he goes through a whole thing with that. And it's, it's an amazing, amazing conversation to have with him about it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really feel like this is something we could talk on and on about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just to kind of wrap things up here, what, so this is, called the Aligned and Well podcast. And so in relation to, you know, your journey as a nurse and your experience with, you know, secondary PTSD and in speaking to any of the other healthcare workers listening to this who may be experiencing the same thing, what does it mean to be aligned and well for you, Bina? What it means for me to be aligned and well is having that balance, is having that harmony in my life now. Mm-hmm. Having the choice to say no, mm-hmm. having the choice to make my own schedule, having the choice to be with my family and put my, put my phone away. Mm-hmm. What aligns with me the most is my voice is being heard now. Mm-hmm. It's been 39 years. I felt like my voice was not heard. Mm-hmm. And now my voice is coming out and I can feel it. And I feel a movement mm-hmm. and that alone, the connections that I'm making now are way more meaningful than it was at bedside. Because when you leave bedside, some, you, you still talk to some nurse people, but let's be real, half those people I don't even talk to anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now 
the relationships I make with other nurse coaches, with you, with other people, these are lifetime. This is lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that when you take people out of that environment where they feel like they're not a person, because honestly, like that's kind of what happened to me. Like I didn't feel like I was a person in the hospital. I just right. felt like I was a tool. <laughs> um, machine. Yeah. I was like a machine. And um, when you take nurses out of that environment, when you take healthcare workers out of that environment, um, I mean, I started to really discover like who I was as a person and the connections that I could make in my professional environment. And um, yeah, I just, I love what you said there is being aligned in every aspect of your life, not just in, in work, but in other areas as well. Yeah. Friendships, spirituality. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, understanding now that I have a gift of feeling other people's energy, mm-hmm. right? I have a gift of that. I didn't notice that until maybe I left that. I mean, I had it when I was at that side, but I think it was taken away a little bit because you're always so task oriented. Yeah. Whereas now like that gift is coming back to me where I can help people feel grounded or giving them a voice path mm-hmm. yeah. and giving them that free space of crying when they need to cry with no judgment. Mm-hmm. No one to tell them it's don't how many times do nurses do that? Like just put your emotions aside, go outside, tear yep. up real quick and then come back. Yep. How so many, many times, times has that happened? <laughs> so many times for me. It's just like, oh Bina's crying again, go outside. They don't need to see it here. The family's here. Yeah. Yeah, but it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. And now I cry when the puppy the puppy song's on. I cry when <laughs> There are commercials that make me cry. And I'm like, what is, what is happening right now? I cry at America's Got Talent when all the people go like, you know, the the, golden buzzers are like the most always make me cry. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like crying and everyone's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know, but I've never felt these emotions before. And they feel great. (laughs) Isn't that crazy how like, you know, I, I always feel like, cause I mean, I, I've always been a very emotional person, but like in the hospital, there's this switch that you really have to learn how to turn on and off. And it's so nice to just be able to like allow whatever comes up to come up and not have to yeah. feel like I have to turn anything off, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So is there, is there anything else that you want to share or speak on that we haven't talked about yet? No, I, I want to thank you for letting me to be on this and have the space to share my story. Mm-hmm. because everyone has a story, but not everybody has a platform to share it on. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for allowing people to give them this space because mm-hmm. it's, it's very humbling and it's very satisfying at the same time mm-hmm. because there's so many people are going to relate to this. Yeah. And I hope we can change things one person at a time mm-hmm. and help people feel the way me and you feel now. Yeah. how we feel grounded, how we feel more connected mm-hmm. and happy. Yeah. Yeah. You like, I didn't really, I didn't really ever think that I would truly be like happy as a nurse. Like whenever I got into the healthcare field, started working at the hospital and um, really saw what it was like, I was like, well, I signed up for this. Like, this is just kind of my journey now is to be miserable at the hospital, trying to help people that I can't help, but yeah. Um, love what you said there. And are there any, um, wh- where can people find you? See what you're up to 
follow you? You can find me on Facebook, um, Bina Bandel. You can also find me on my Bina, BinaNurseCoach.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me through you. Yeah. I'm pretty visible. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty visible. Um, so, you know, just, you know, you can see the giraffes. I have a logo of giraffes. So I know. I love your logo. <laughs> So if you see giraffes anywhere that has somewhat of a heart shaped in the middle, that that's me. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bina, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to interview with me. I really hope that this, um, this impacts any nurses, healthcare workers, or, you know, if even people who aren't in healthcare, who just need to hear this. Um, thank you so much for, for being here. No, thank you. The honor is mine. Amazing conversation with Bina. I'm really grateful to have had her on as a guest. Uh, if you would like to connect with Bina, I've put all of her info in the show notes so that you can follow her on social and see what she's up to. She is up to some amazing things in the nurse coaching community. If you'd like to connect with me or work with me in some way, I do offer a handful of free discovery sessions every month to individuals who are looking to live a more aligned life. And I also have a free community on Facebook. So come hang out with us. We are focused on cultivating self-love, providing wellness support to each other in a holistic way, and just creating a life that is aligned with our hearts. So I would love to have you in the community. For any nurse coaches listening to this, I would love to invite you into my Nurse Coach Tech Mastery membership. This is a monthly membership packed with video tutorials, worksheets, templates, live Q&A calls, and so much more helping you navigate the world of tech in your nurse coaching practice. So if you are a nurse coach who needs help with all things tech, I got you. I'd love to have you in the membership. I'm going to link all of the info in the show notes and the doors to the membership will be open from August 1st to August 14th, and then they will close for the quarter. So um, get in there. I'd love to have you. I would greatly appreciate your feedback. So if you are listening on a podcast platform where you can leave a review, please do so. Um, If this episode resonated with you at all, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and take a screenshot of the episode and remember to share it on social media and tag me. Uh, My handle is at nursecoachshawn. Thank you so much, guys. And as always, I'm here to serve and support you in the most powerful way I can. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next week. Bye.